Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio. And uh, we would also like to welcome the listeners from the Blessed Hope Community Church. Uh, God is good to us, and he has allowed us to have this ministry and this outreach. And so we know that it is is only through the power of God uh, that this ministry exists. And so we want to do the will of God. And... I want to ask your prayers for us, and uh, I want to have boldness uh, in this time, and I want to faithfully uh, teach the Word of God uh, for those who come uh, to hear the Word of God. So let us begin our service with a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you in the name of Christ our Savior for this opportunity to meet together with fellow believers around your word. We thank you that we can have joint things in common uh, with believers from different continents, Lord, and different countries, different communities. It is your will. It is you. It is only through your spirit that we are able uh, to do such a wonderful thing. So we want to thank you, and we pray that there are no unconfessed sin in our hearts so that uh, we can be in fellowship with you and be taught by your Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures. So we thank you in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. So uh, the title of this evening's show is Christ-Centered Ethos in the Eschaton. That is the last days, a Christ-centered ethos. And uh, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And then uh, we're going to move to uh, the Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And then we're going to move to Second Peter. Now, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been called the synoptic gospels. Uh, and the word means uh, a seeing together. Because they use uh, similar sources uh, to... Uh, put together put together their gospel documents. But I want to use that word synoptic in a larger or broader sense tonight because all and all the and all, the New Testament is a thing together. The different authors of the New Testament have a common theme. Christ Jesus. The uh, the writers of the Old Testament uh, had a synoptic message that is a thing together. So both the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, there is a commonality. There is a thing together. There is one message. The Old Testament teaches that uh, Yeshua HaMashiach 
or Jesus the Messiah is coming. The New Testament or the New Covenant teaches he is here. And so with the Old Testament, we have anticipation through type, through the tabernacle, through events, through the lives of different individuals. So we say type and anti-type. In the New Testament, we have uh, the person of, of Jesus himself. And we are able to study uh, his public ministry, whom, uh, with whom he spoke, his healing ministry. Uh, we're able to read these things, uh, these events for ourselves. And it is important that we know uh, the four Gospels. Then we have the book of Acts. Which is the first book of which is the the book of church history? Uh, Acts teaches us the beginning, uh, the beginnings of the church. So we have uh, the the acts of the Holy Spirit, or uh, the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So the book of Acts, and I want to know very carefully that that name Acts is very important uh, that we we grasp hold of, of the meaning of that name. And let me also say at this point that never in the Word of God, either in the Old Testament or the New Testament, do we read uh, uh, Satanus or the Satan uh, in, in a passive manner. Uh, we read about the unfolding of what he uh, has done, beginning in Genesis 3, is called the Nakash, the Shining One. And please keep in mind that he is nefarious. And Peter writes in the Old Testament that he prowls around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he could swallow down whole. Now, I know uh, your versions may read, uh, seeking whom he may devour, but it literally reads, whom he may swallow down whole. So the enemy is never passive, never. Now, you will note that uh, in the Old Testament, in the, uh, the book of Exodus, uh, we have God referred to as the, the divine warrior. Also in the book of Genesis, we have the, the ministry uh, through uh, after the, uh, the flood, the great flood. The, the God collapsed the antediluvian world. God collapsed the antediluvian uh, civilizations through the flood. And it was not a, it was not the flood was not localized. It was a universal cosmic event. There are some people who want to say or say that yes, there's evidence of a local flood, but not a universal flood. That has all been put to rest. We know that it was universal in scope. And so God collapsed uh, the firmament through water, and 
God also uh, destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah through fire. Burnings and immersions are the, the name in the Hebrew. Burnings and immersions or, or submersions. So uh, God has shown uh, his will and the fact that his holiness does not condone or tolerate sin. Now, there are some theologians who uh, have said that there is no God, believe it or not. Theologians have said that. And I've read uh, some books by uh, Christian physicists who could not or cannot believe the faithlessness of the theologians because the physicists see in creation the work and the hand of God, but they want to deny God or that God is God. And I have one book by a theologian with whom I don't agree with everything he has written, but he said in one of the books that I have, uh, he stated that the theologian's God may not be God sometimes. And I appreciate that because that lets me know that he, that some of these provocative theologies that uh, these individuals come up with are not necessarily biblical. And what I want you to get is that uh, there are some individuals and they, they may mouth a few uh, things from the word of God, but they may not necessarily have your best interest at heart because the Bible lays out in clear terms uh, what the life of the Bible teacher must be and how God and, and what God thinks about those and the destiny that he has laid out for those who sin against his people by leading them astray through false teaching. In no uncertain terms, the Bible teaches, uh, and uh, this is what I'm going to uh, read from 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, uh, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Verse four, uh, 34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your, uh, to your shame. So when we take a very close look at verse 33, uh, verse 33 the, the verb be does not begin the sentence in the Greek. So uh, the... If we have the word may in the Greek, may. Actually, the word uh, is not. But uh, so, and the word deceived is in the present imperative. And that's important for believers to know, too, because as he goes on, uh, he states after the colon, evil communications or evil companionship Literally, evil companionship. Now, the word for evil here is kakiai, K-A-K-A-I in Greek, kakiai. 
uses, of course, an adjective, evil companionships, corrupt and that uh, good manners. So, uh, so we have the word corrupt uh, here in the Greek, and it literally means uh, to destroy or to ruin. Evil companionships destroy, and the word in the Greek is not good manners. The word is ethos. That is, and ethos, as used here in the in the Word of God, means one's customary abode or dwelling place. One's customary abode or dwelling place. Now, uh, the word also, uh, so kakii, also means one that is evil and gets others into trouble. So understand the necessity of, uh, you know, Paul teaches that believers are not real believers, those who have been born anew through the Spirit of God. Believers are not to have relationships, a fellowship, fellowship with individuals who are mere professors of the faith because they do what? They will ruin your ethos or your customary abode or dwelling and then he goes on verse 34 awake to righteousness now uh, if you remember in the Old Testament when God's people went in to settle uh, into the promised land and they were warned of God about uh, that they were they were not to have certain relationships with the people of the land. They were not uh, uh, to have relationships with them at, at all. So in the book of Judges, uh, which was, and so, and the period covered in the book of Judges uh, is the beginning of the Iron Age, that is 1,200 to 1,000 B.C. Um, and this, it was after the death of Joshua, so the Israelites asked the Lord, this is Joshua 1, 1, who will be first to go up and fight for us against the Canaanites? So uh, that's a very poignant statement because uh, uh, in chapter also, uh, when we get to chapter 2, uh, well, chapter 1, in fact, tells us that uh, the tribes, uh, the tribal league, as some call it, or Amphictyony, the tribal league were not very strong. The, the tribes themselves were not very strong. In chapter 1 of, of Judges, uh, verse 27, we read, but Manasseh did not drive out the people of Beth Shan. In verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites living in Gezer. Uh, they were weak. 
And let me go back to verse 19, which reads, uh, the Lord was with the men of Judah. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had iron chariots. So I want you just to see uh, what a spirit of compromise will do. A spirit of compromise, which is introduced into the lives of the saints through their what? Through their relationships with people who don't know God. Verse 19, they were unable. And so you have this, uh, this refrain. Now, they had the power of Yahweh at their disposal in Exodus 14, verses 23 through 25, we read about the power of Yahweh over uh, human technology, that is their chariots to chariots of Pharaoh. And so now we see something different. Now, the people whom, uh, who went into the promised land were the children of those who carcasses or who fell in the wilderness. And they were not able to go into the promised land because of unbelief. Unbelief gets us nowhere. And remember that the rabble went, that is, people who followed the people of God out of Egypt, and they created, uh, they harassed them spiritually. This is a very important doctrine to understand. Uh, the Bible teaches, uh, you know, the doctrine of blessing by association, and uh, it, is, it is a beautiful doctrine. But then there are those, the, the companions that will attach themselves to the people of God and uh, inspect them spiritually, introduce spiritual rot, or uh, in other words, spiritual sepsis. In chapter 2 of Judges, we read, uh, verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. word Baal means master. So they, and notice the theology here, they did not know what the Lord had done. And so they weren't taught uh, by their parents who God was in their lives. And so you see the spiritual rot, the spiritual weakness, the spiritual ruin. And in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, Isaiah talks about those who were also spiritually weak, and they, they, they were a mess spiritually. And not only were they a, 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 a spiritual mess in their own persons, but uh, God had uh, introduced inflation into their culture. And so they would sow so much, but uh, they would reap so little. And 
so that type of inflation was ejected from God. And so it is imperative that spiritual, that the people of God know the word of God and have a very, listen very carefully to those who want you to settle down and into compromise. Because those who want you to settle down to compromise uh, want to exploit you. And this is what Second uh, Peter is going to address, uh, false teachers. So in verse uh, Judges 2.12, they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. Now, the word Egypt, uh, Mitzrayim, means double distresses, double distresses. And they were under the whip. They were under the lash. But in the wilderness, testings and the trials, uh, the people of God forgot, had forgotten the whips and the lashes. They had forgotten uh, what their lives were really like, and they, they romanticized about going back, going back, turning back, because they were not trusting God. When we don't trust God, the temptation is to turn back and we romanticize the past. We forget the details. Just like in the Gospel of John, when Jesus confronted uh, the, the Israelites there about their real condition, they said, they said to Jesus, we have never been under any man's bondage. Now, they were under the bondage of Judaism and uh, its teachings. They were under the, currently then in the first century, they were under Roman rule. But no, we've never been under any man's bondage. So uh, they couldn't, there is this, this room, they were removed, their thinking uh, was removed from reality. They didn't really understand their current situation because, uh, look, they did not have, they did not hide the word of God in their hearts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. They did not store up, they did not treasure up the word of God in their hearts. And so here they are, uh, they're spiritual paupers. They're poor. They're poor spiritually. And when Jesus preached his first sermon in the synagogue of his own hometown, the word struck them. They were convicted by what he was teaching, and they wanted to take him and throw him over the hill. That they understood, because the word was an offense to them. The word cut. The word is sharpening that any two-edged sword. The word pierces, and in the Greek it means to keep on piercing. The word kept on piercing, and they couldn't handle what the word uh, was teaching. Many, many years ago, I, I preached a message 
and by their fruit you shall know them. And the people who heard that message were very upset, and they were professed believers. They they were very upset with me. Well, that's not always the case. And so there is this, this attempt to compromise. Instead of coming to terms with the reality that the Holy Spirit was teaching you out of love because he wanted you to know your real condition, what was really going on in your life. By their fruit you shall know them. Or by their fruit. And they were really, they they were shaken. But when people want to be in that uh, hypnotic state or, you know, somnambulistic or they don't, they don't want to awake to the reality of their condition, they're going to reject and they're going to fight against the word. So here in verse 12, these people forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served the Baal and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. We are, you and I are, are safest when we dwell under the wings, under the shadow of the wings of the Most High. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our high tower. When we abide under the shadow of the wings of the Most High, we are, we are safe. We know he hears our prayer. We know he receives our praise. This is where we prosper. We prosper in our hearts. We prosper spiritually. We, can, we prosper economically. Now there are those who are saying that we are being switched over to a new economic system and that our present economy is in a controlled uh, fall or we're experiencing a controlled collapse of our economy. That may or may not be true. My message to you as, as believing ones is to understand that you have to make certain provisions for, for your family. You have to have food, water. Uh, you have to make sure you store up what you need in case power goes out. You have to make sure that you have made certain arrangements to take care of your family, family members. And you begin by taking care of yourself spiritually, by getting serious with God. And, what, and, and the faith, what it really means to follow Jesus. People, first they rejected God, and then God rejected them. Now, understand, God elected Israel. And God's not going to suspend uh, 
his election of his ancient people whom he foreknew, but they will undergo divine discipline. They will experience economic loss like inflation. They lost their land. They lost the northern kingdom in 722. They lost the southern kingdom in 586 through uh, Nebuchadnezzar. They lost, but they didn't uh, they they were kicked off their land through divine discipline. Jeremiah went to them and he said, and he had on a a, a wooden yoke. They said, no, they they rejected that. So no, it's not going to happen. And God said, if you don't submit, then uh, then Jeremiah came back with a, uh, an iron yoke. See, there are believers who are really really hard headed. They were in apostasy. They had apostatized. They were they were idolatrous. And they did not want to submit to divine discipline. So they wanted to kill Jeremiah for bringing that message. But at the at the uh God talks about the cycle of discipline both in the book of Leviticus and at the end of Deuteronomy talks about the cycle of discipline. And First John talks about the sinner to death. Paul talks about those who took communion in an unworthy manner, sin in their lives, uh, you know, and, and, and taking holy communion. And so, once again, sin separates people's spirit of, of people from reality. So, we see divine judgment here and how, because <clears throat> the people of God failed to root out the enemies whom God said, look, I've overthrown them, and you have to trust in me and believe in me. God said, oh, you can have as much of the territory that I've given you as you want to conquer, as you will conquer. You, can, you will have as much as you will uh, lay your foot upon. It will be yours. But according to Hebrews 11, these things must be done by faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. The word akuo, hearing, a hear means to hear with a view to obeying what is heard. And James says, look, don't be mere hearers of the word, because if you're just hearing, then you're deceiving yourself. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. See, the word, the engrafted word that is able to save our souls, re, uh, James writes, receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. He's not talking about eternal salvation. Be doer. Now, those who are mature in Christ, believers who are mature, uh, who are mature in Christ, know what trouble is like. They know what it is 
uh, to face trouble for their faith and their faithfulness. And like Paul, they say, well, they say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, where he's a power of God into salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. They're not ashamed of the power of God. They do marvelous things. They do marvelous exploits through the power of God by faith. Because they believed God. Remember, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto, to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. But what about all the evidence around me, so-called evidence around me to the contrary? Abraham chose to believe God. He took his eyes off man. See, evil companionships, evil companions who don't know God, why are they in your lives? And why do you have such individuals in your lives? What's their purpose? There are necessary weights and obstacles to your spiritual success in Christ. You have to realize that. When Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and that man stood up at the word of God. He stood up at the word of Jesus. He stood up. His sister said, oh, Lord, he, he's been in bed so many days, and now he, he, he stinks. And so in that time, people were buried the day of their death because this was Western Asia. And in those climates, then decay would set in rapidly. And so or the decomposition would take over rapidly. So they buried. They prepared people with spices and burial cloths, and then they, they, they put them in their tombs or graves. Lazarus stood up, and he came out. And then Jesus said, loose him and let him go, because he still had the grave clothes around him. When we are born again, when we are born out from among the dead, when we are born anew, God wants the grave clothes of the old life stripped from us. Old thinking, old habits, old lies, old deceptions, self and other deceptions, old ways of seeing and believing, old eyes that are full of adultery, fooling around, not really getting anywhere in life, not really having anything. The grave clothes, you know, you know your own grave clothes. 
as I can I can identify my own grave clothes. I can't identify anyone else's, but I can identify mine. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And that's for every believer. Now, those who are not born again but who are mere professors, they profess to know him, that hasn't happened. They're still, they're, they're religious, and they have the facade of religiosity, or religiosity. They have that facade. They have that mask. But they have no real ethos. Their ethos is still what? It's still the great. There's an old book called Banquet in the Grave. Very interesting. Banquet in the Grave. Called us out of the grave. We are born again. We are. We have been made new. We have been made qualitatively new through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't come here to make us religious. Religion extinguishes the work of Christ. In the life of the believer, religion, religious rules, religious habits, religious people, religious things, religious traditions, religious attitudes. And if you would read carefully Isaiah 1, there were religious people, and they were beat up, and inflation was ruining them. And God said, I'm tired. I'm tired of your religious formalism. One of the greatest sermons that Jeremiah preached was outside of the temple. He stood there by the door of the temple, and guess what? People were streaming into the temple to go to church. You know what I mean by that, to go to worship. They were streaming into the temple to go to worship. And here's Jeremiah standing at the doors of the temple, preaching to them. We, and we covered this in seminary. This is called, and it's the, the temple sermon. Jeremiah was preaching and teaching the word of God to religious people. Now we know uh, in the New Testament, Jesus would say, he that hath, hath ears to hear, let him hear. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. The righteous are those who think themselves as righteous, see no need, have no need, believe they, uh, they have it all together. Jesus said, I have not come, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, ruin, and many there be that go in thereat, but narrow. The Greek reads, constricted is the way, or constricted is the road that leadeth unto life, and few there be that go in thereat. 
eight souls were saved from the antediluvian world. Now, what is very interesting is that coinage from China, coinage from Rome, coinage from Eskimos, coinage throughout the world have depicted the flood narrative, the flood event. This is well documented. The nations, the communities, the tribes, the families throughout the earth, earth have what? Flood narratives in their in the history of their totems, their sacred books, their language, their languages. They have a history of the flood narrative. So God is doing a marvelous thing. You must guard and protect your ethos. That is your place of abode, your your, the place that you habituate with God, that must be carefully guarded. Because the cosmic system, the cosmos, does not want you to have that type of relationship with God Almighty. And if you walk closely with God, you will walk in power. You will walk in wisdom. You will have a life filled with purpose. You will have a destiny that you are assured of. You will have that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. I read recently in Australia, they are taking people's driver's license. They're going to their homes, kicking in doors. They want these people to be under their jackboots. And I see history repeating itself. If we can get enough believers fired up about prayer to God about Australia, about Europe, about Africa, Asia, Mexico, Central America, South America, the Philippines, Russia, India. Things will change. Africa, God can do marvelous things. Let's agree that we will pray for one another through the, in the power of the Spirit. Between now and the next time we meet, please read the book of Jude prayerfully thoughtfully and with conviction and pray for your brothers and sisters throughout the world. I want to continue this study the next time we meet. And so God bless you. God take care of you. And good night.